Welcome to the Coworking Out Loud podcast, an exploration into storytelling, community, and the art of being human. This is episode 15 of the Coworking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Kat Johnson. This week I chatted with my friend Kaya Lindsay from One Chick Travels. Kaya is a force of nature who spends her days rock climbing, adventuring, traveling, and living the van life. A member of the Next Space community, Kaya is also a huge inspiration for me in terms of keeping things real. She's a super savvy social media pro who shares her best days, hard times, and everything in between with grace, humor, and style. I chatted with Kaya about finding community on the road, following the little nudges that lead us to breakthrough moments, and how co-working has been her unofficial business school. Let's jump in. Hey, Kaya, welcome to the Coworking Out Loud podcast. Hi, Kat. Thanks for having me here. Yep, I'm super excited to talk to you. I've admired what you're doing with your van life and adventuring and everything for a long time. So I'm excited to get into that and share your story a bit. Um, can we, will you give us a little bit of background for people who aren't familiar with you of who you are, what you're doing, and kind of your van life story? Mm-hmm. So uh, my name is Kyle Lindsay. I am 26 years old. I have been living in my 2006 Dodge Sprinter van for almost three years as of this conversation. Um, it'll be three years, June 28th. And um, yeah, I live and work remotely on the road and travel uh, as full time as I can for the purposes of rock climbing and general adventuring. Yeah, I used to see you in, so Kaya and I are both members of the Next Space Santa Cruz community. I used to see you in here all the time, and now I don't see you for months at a time, and then I kind of follow you on Instagram, where you are, what you're up to, whether Joshua Tree or Moab or somewhere across the country, Um, and then you'll pop into the space, then we catch up a little bit, but uh, what does that look like for you to be working from the road and trying to do um, a a whole life of working and adventuring? So, um, it usually looks like a lot of work when I have internet service and then (laughs) no work in, uh, in sporadic periods. So like I've scheduled out, you know, I, I work on Mondays and Thursdays, every Monday and every Thursday I have to be in internet service, but you know, those could be like 12 hour days, but then the rest of the time. I don't have to do anything. (laughs) Uh, I typically, the way I schedule out my life really um, is that I work the first week of the month. And so I have, I basically live, you know, one quarter time on three quarters time off. Uh, And I make money doing social media marketing, which is I just help people with their uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram stuff. And um, during that first week of the month, I dedicate that like, you know, 40 to 80 hours of like sit in a cafe, sit at a friend's house, um, sit at the public library and just do my work and just get it all done. And then I, since I'm doing social media marketing things, I can, I can schedule things ahead. So then at the end of that week, I've scheduled everything out for the next four weeks. And then I have three weeks to, you know, work on personal projects. And right now that 
ends up being a lot of my one chick travel stuff, which is like taking pictures and, you know, making videos. <laughs> yeah. So with one chick travels, you've built this whole personal brand. That's a lot of rock climbing, a lot of adventuring, um, but there's this really cool aspect to it that I've always admired about you, that you just bring so much authenticity to your personal brand. And I, that's, uh, I feel like that's a bit of, like a kind of a charged phrase. It sounds funny saying it because what you're really doing is just sharing your life and what you're up to. And you're very honest. And um, sometimes you're like literally on the top of a mountain, so stoked, you can just feel it. And um, like the other day, I saw a post where you just got super real. You were like, I am struggling with insecurities. I'm not sure like, um, feeling like mental wellness, just like how, how you can feel good about what you're doing in your work. Um, yeah. How do you kind of approach that, uh, that branding and being like kind of bringing your whole self to your work? Well, I think the, the short answer is that like my ultra feminist um, agenda is to prove to the world that women are people with many different facets of their experience. Um, but generally, like the motivating factor is that I believe in being really honest about where I am. And this is something I think I've picked up from my mom as just like, I say what I feel. And I think that it's really powerful to be just super honest. Like I'm not always, you know, insecure and particularly the post that you were referencing is I was just feeling bad that morning. And I was like, you know what? Mental health is weird because there are days where I just feel like trash. And then the next day I felt absolutely fine. And I was like, today's a good day. And I did something else, you know? Um, and I hope it's not too jarring for people to witness that kind of uh, back and forth. Cause I've had a do people say like, oh, your content is really up and down. I'm like, eh, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it jarring at all. And I think that um, I wouldn't pay any attention. If you want my advice, I wouldn't pay any attention to that because what I see is it's so humanizing, right? It's like that dimensionality you were just talking about. It's like you ended the post with something like, I don't want, you know, your pity or your recommendations. I just want you to see me. And it's like, I felt like um, I felt very connected to you in that moment. And I felt like how human and, and brave just to be like, here I am. And tomorrow you might be, you know, doing the most amazing thing ever. And you're always sharing photos of the most spectacular views and sunsets and, and climbs <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And it really, um, I mean, that's something I definitely wrestle with. Like, what am I doing? Like when you're having a down day, it's like, how is this even working? Am I on the right path? What, what's going on here? Um, it was very humanizing. And I've always loved that. I've told you this before. I've always <laughs> loved that about your social. You just like, here I am. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I, I am, I actively try to speak in a normal candor and the way that I communicate with people on social media, because I think that there is a social media voice. And I don't know if this is a, just a podcast or video cast, but like, if you can't see my fingers, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> There's a social media voice that people use um, that is really put on. It's very much like, you know, uh, 
hey, follow me. This is what we're doing today. What are you guys doing this weekend? You know, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think there is a place for that. But I do think that it's it's not it's not um, creating connection. You know, it's not bringing people. Well, maybe it is, but it just doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel real to me. So I am conscious about how I use my voice in that way that you're saying, but I appreciate you saying that because, you know, at the end of the day, that post felt weird to me because I was feeling better and people were having all these emotional reactions to it. And I was like, man, like the day is so weird because this morning I felt terrible and now I feel fine, but like, it's still out there, you know? And had a lot of people be like, are you okay? And I'm like, I, I am actually. I mean, it's not like I'm sad. It, it's just that this is my life and there's moments where it feels terrible. And then a few moments later, it doesn't. Yeah, every time I kind of let myself be vulnerable, whether with my writing or in front of a group of people, I get that like, oh, God. You know, should I really have published that or something? I've had a podcast episode that I was like, oh, God, should I publish that? Um, But what I find is that the more I kind of let myself be brave and vulnerable, the more people respond to that. And they're like, thank you. Let me tell you about what happened for me today or something like that. It's just like kind of that artificiality you're talking about just kind of vanishes. Yeah, that's actually something that's, a little bit difficult for me because what ends up happening is when I post something like that, that is really authentic and really real. Um, I get a lot of messages back from people who are also then having a real reaction, an emotional reaction to it. But I might be getting like 150 of those and I can't hold 150 people's emotions in that way. You know, like I, I don't, I, I don't have the capacity to like accept someone 150 times and say like, I'm, thank you for telling me this and give back another in-depth response because the things that they're saying are really personal and they deserve like an authentic response, you know? And so I struggle with it because then I feel like I'm putting myself out there. People are giving back to me and I can't in the same way respond individually you know, because someone will, will pour their heart out and say, like, I'm 47 years old. I have been working this whole time. But because of you, I just decided to, like, move into my van. And if I, I get that a bunch of different times and I and like I want to sit down and be like, I'm so happy for you. Thank you for telling me this. Like, I, I love your response. And and I can't. And I, if I struggle because I want to and I want to be able to have that. But after a while, like, I lose the ability to give individual you know, connection. So I, I struggle with the, the, what you're exactly what you're saying, which is the authenticity of it, because an authentic response would be like to be able to have a conversation with someone, you know, about like, you know, feelings and emotions and like, thank you. And, and I end up just saying a lot, like, you know, thank you for your kind words. I really appreciate it. You know, and, and, and I wish I had more. I, I, and I don't know, that's something that's uh, playing for me right now as like something I'm thinking about. God, that's so profound. And I had not even considered that. But yeah, you have 24,000 almost Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. You're totally one of the, from my perspective, I'm on the outside of this circle. But from <laughs> my perspective, you're like one of the core people in the women van life movement. You know, I, you're I hope this, so. 
Oh man, you're doing this solo thing. I, you know, I see you connecting with other women, and you're kind of elevating everybody's voice. And um, I see, I am not surprised at all that people reach out to you in that way. And I honestly hadn't considered the impact on you of having people be like, "Bah, here's all my stuff." And especially, that's kind of a crazy pressure for someone to say, "I moved into my van because of you." It's like, whoa. That's, I hope yeah, it's going I changed, well. I drastically changed my life or like I tell my daughters about you and I want, like, I want them to be like you and, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, it's such a good thing. Like I, I, I'm not complaining because I am really blessed to be able to like have those interactions. But at the same time, like I struggle with my ability to then show up for those people who maybe are looking for me to show up, you know? And then I wonder sometimes, like, is it just the act of saying it? Like, they don't need a response? Because sometimes I'll say something back and they'll never respond. And I don't know if it's, you know, they just wanted to say it and, like, have me hear it. Like, they don't need me to respond, just like I didn't need them to respond. You know, like, I at the end of that post, I said, like, just see me. I don't need your pity. I don't need your reassurance. And maybe that's what they're also saying is, like, here's my thing. I don't need you to give me a reassurance or anything. Just see me. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I bet it's different with different people, but, um, that is a good segue into one of the things I want to talk about is the, um, like the community that springs up around van life world. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm using the right lingo for all no, this. No, that's stuff. great. The van life community, I think, <laughs> is typically what people refer it. Okay, cool. Um, but it seems, I think from the outside, it seems like it might be a solitary venture to just like head off into the world in, you know, in your van. But what I see from... Um, your stories and and your, the way you share is that you connect with people all over the place, and it seems like maybe some of them are small, temporary communities, but there's also this larger community. Do you want to talk about about what that looks like? Yeah. So, um, actually, just did a short little video about this thing, just the concept of loneliness and um, finding community, and um, I think it's a, something a lot of people are you know wondering about because you know, I'm a solo female traveler. I live in my van, which is very solitary. I travel a lot, which is very solitary. And so like, how do you find and create, you know, sustainable communities in that way? And one of the things that I discovered, and I think I may be a little bit unique in the van life community in this is that I'm also part of the rock climbing community, which in my opinion is much, uh, a much stronger, um, community than the van life community because it's, it's centralized and there's like a thing that people can go do together. But the uh, rock climbing community intersects interestingly in the van life community in the way that a lot of rock climbers to, in order to do their sport full time, move into their vans, you know? And so it's easy for me to just show up in a, in a climbing area and be like, Hey, like you guys want to go rock climbing? And then bam, bang, bang, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, oh, I need a partner. I need a partner. Like, okay, let's do this thing. You want to do this? Let's go do that together. You know, and it happens really organically around the sport. Um, With other van lifers in particular, I think there is a sense of um, searching, searching in a different way than I feel like with rock climbers. And uh, I, I get a lot of questions from people who are just like, okay, 
what do I do? Like, I want to travel and I'm alone, but like, what do I even do? And to me, that strikes me more as a question of like, you know, I don't know who I am. How do I find my people? You know, and it's like, you know, you, you need to find yourself before you can find others. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> For people to be like, who am I? Can you please tell me who I am? Yeah, and I, and I think people, I, I get that a lot where it's like, you know, how did you make friends? And it's like, you know, I didn't know who I was when I hit the road. And I found myself in uh, Indian Creek, which is a rock climbing destination in Utah. And I found who I was, like I fit in my body for the first time in Indian Creek. And that's where I also found this global community of people who I've become a part of. And um, I, I'm, I think rock climbing is the remedy to all problems. Like if you talk to my friends or family, I'm, they're like, I'm not, they're like, I'm not feeling good. And I'm like, we should go rock climbing. <laughs> go climbing. Let's go climbing. Let's climb it out. Um, but the global community, I think this is just something that the internet has given us that we didn't have before, which is the ability to communicate. And, and I have friends who are just van lifers who like we have, you know, stayed in contact online and been like, you know, traded tips and tricks for, you know, building out your van and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, so I see like the van life community as a little bit more of like a broader kind of hobbyist community in a way. Um, and then in there is a subset of like, you know, there's the van lifers who are tra- travel photographers. There's the rock climbers. There's the, you know, the people who build out vans as a living and they just do that over and over again. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, generally nowadays the van life community is, is, becoming a hub that is like an overarching thing for other sub-communities. Got it. Um, When you say that, I want to circle back on something, when you say that you discovered who you were in Indian Creek, was that, was there a moment that happened or was that one of your go-to spots for long enough that you just started to get a sense of yourself? Um, It was kind of like, yeah, I think of it very much as like a poignant moment. Um, I, it was actually a really emotional time for me. I, I, you know, of a little bit of my history, but I was dating someone um, for a long time and it became clear to both of us that it wasn't going to work out. And so um, we broke up in January of 2017. And in March of 2017, I drove out to Indian Creek and I was very much still grieving the loss of that. Um, You know, and after being one person for five years and and also starting this van life adventure and trying to figure out who I was, I, I, I knew there was rock climbing out there, but I didn't really know more than that. I didn't have a guidebook. I didn't have anyone that I knew out there. And so I just kind of on a whim drove out and was like, I'm just going to show up. And, uh, you know, I had this moment of driving up into the campground and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have anyone to, to connect with. And I just like could see people like with their campfires, like talking and having fun. And it was just me. And I felt so alone. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I just drove into the back of the parking lot area and like went to sleep and I, I didn't talk to anybody. Um, and the next morning I saw there was this little note on a message board and I, this is like a pivotal moment for me, but this girl, Sarah was like, Hey, I'm looking for climbing partners. Like, is there anyone else out there? And I was like, me. And so <laughs> I, uh, 
I like reached out to her and connected with her and, you know, I didn't know how to do the style of climbing that is out there. It's really a technique intensive and I had no idea how to do it. And it's also very gear specific and I had none of the gear and I didn't have anything. And I basically said like, I'll belay you. And, you know, she could have very much well told me to take a hike. And she was like, no, like, yeah, I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely down to, to help you. And I stayed in the Creek for 11 days, I think it was. And, um, you know, over the course of that 11 days, I, I met a group of people who I'm still very, very close with today. And we communicate. Um, I climbed to my first tower. I climbed the desert tower for the first time. You know, I, uh, did my first trad lead, you know, and, um, there's no self-service out there. And so you're forced to interact with the people in this area in a more intimate setting, uh, and challenge emotionally and mentally challenging setting than ever anywhere else. And I think it just like clicked for me, you know, uh, maybe I could psychoanalyze it a little bit deeper, but it just felt so right. And I remember, you know, I remember feeling actual heartbreak about leaving and I laid in bed when I got back to Santa Cruz because I had to come back for some reason. And uh, I remember just journaling about that place as if it was a, you know, a lost loved one. And, uh, you know, it was, it felt very much like a a breakup (laughs) to leave. And I am obsessed with the place ever since I can't stop going back. You know, you said that you went on a whim and it turned out to be like a transformational thing. I have found that a lot in my life that mm-hmm. these little whispers that if you listen to them, mm-hmm. they turn out to be amazing. And it's funny because you could have easily been like, uh, I don't feel like it. I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. And it's far too. It's like an 18 hour drive. Right. So I went on like an 18 hour whim drive. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you. Like casual, like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, two day drive away. I'll just do it, whatever. <laughs> I love it. And the little note on the board, it's like just all these little things that kind of guide us, guide us yeah. down our path. Um, so I know that I want to shift gears a little bit. I know you're focusing on doing some more video and moving away from doing social media stuff. I'm excited about the stuff you're talking about. Um, will you share your vision for what you want to be doing with that, the, how it intersects with van life and adventuring and everything? Mm-hmm, for sure. I'm still doing social media marketing today for what it's worth. but um, And I think freelancing is something that I will always be doing. But as far as next steps are concerned, my vision for how the van life videography stuff ties together is that I will be, you know, a freelance filmmaker, adventure videographer. You know, there's a lot of companies that are, that do that kind of stuff like national geographic and like PBS and, um, you know, just any big company, Red Bull has a lot of stuff and, um, you know, they sponsor adventures. Like they'll sponsor like hike to the top of Mount Everest or they'll sponsor, you know, this, they did one like jump out of a plane or the highest skydive in the world or whatever. And so, um, you know, they need videographers and I'm hoping to kind of be a freelance videographer for projects like that, but then also work on my own projects. And so I'm currently working on a series. It's just called my one chick travels series. And, um, I don't know if you, you may have seen some of those, but it's just a little features on women on the road. And it's, 
solo women on the road. I'm trying to focus on just like women who are, you know, working and living and doing all of their stuff on their own. Because when I was starting the van life, I found a lot of couples or a lot of solo dudes and I didn't see a lot of other solo, solo female travelers. So I try to focus on that, but really that for me is a way to hone my skills and come up with a portfolio. And um, I'm actually in that early stage of thinking of like, okay, well, I want to like get a, a portfolio actual like a portfolio piece and like start a website and like offer to do music videos for friends and and stuff like that but it aligns with the van life thing really well because you know I need to pick up and go to a site wherever that might be and I can just drive there Uh, I don't think I'll live in the van forever but you know I'll probably have it for quite some time because it just makes a lot of sense for me to be like oh you know you're in Seattle and I'm in Denver, like, oh, okay. And you want me to do a couple days of filming? Like, I'll just drive my house out there <laughs> and do some filming. And then it's super easy, super comfortable. And then I can drive back. And having the freelancer thing, you know, makes my life kind of, it's compatible with uh, a flexible schedule. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I want to be the most qualified person in the room to do that. I think you will be. And especially with this niche that you're working in of like solo women van life people doing I mean as for your starter project to get things going um it's cool too as you surface those stories the stories of those women it becomes you kind of let other women know that that this is a thing right like people who might not even be considering it who think they have to travel either with a group or with with a boyfriend or whatever um Mm. that there's this whole community that I see as I've seen your website grow of all these different names like oh all these women are doing this Mm. this cool thing yeah I mean that's kind of the inspiration for the video is like when I started doing this the whole van life thing I remember doing research and being and seeing just men, solo male travelers or couples. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to be the only woman on the road. And then when I got out into the world, I was like, there's a lot of women out here just doing this on their own. And like, oftentimes they're doing it more sustainably and better than a lot of the solo dudes who are traveling. Like a lot of the women I know who are solo female travelers, like have jobs lined up and like work remotely or they work seasonally. Like they just, they have their shit together Whereas a lot of the dudes are more like, oh, I just quit my job and now I'm in my van. And there's nothing like, I'm not trying to like say that they're not doing it right, but it's just, it was like really cool to me to be like, oh, wow, like these women are doing great things. And what I hope is that like people will watch these videos and be like, oh yeah, I could do that. See people doing it actually as a sustainable lifestyle rather than like, I'm just going to whittle down the money I have or else Mm -hmm. just figure it out. Um, I would love to touch on the co-working bit. That's how you and I connected and you're a second generation co-worker. Kaya's parents are also members of the extended Next Space community. Um, So yeah, I'd just love to hear your general thoughts on maybe how co-working, you kind of orbit around every once in a while and and tune in, but I know you've done it for a long time. Um, So how it's kind of influenced you, if it has. And also how a lot of space operators are going to be listening to this and any thoughts you have on how they can better connect with the digital nomad. I don't know if you consider yourself a digital nomad, but that whole kind of traveling community of people who, you know, you're looking for cafes and libraries and things like that, but there's this, there are co-working spaces that would love to be on that circuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I do consider myself a digital nomad. That's one of, um, those things that 
I think really identify or like categorize what it is that I do. Um, and co-working was, I think, foundational in my ability to do what I, what I do. Um, you know, I think when I first walked through Next Space's doors, I was 18 years old and I was working there as the, um, kind of secretary doing data entry and stuff like that. And, you know, I always tell people that, you know, I was going to college and I was working and all this stuff, saving up money for traveling and, and then eventually saving up money for college. But I always tell people that like, I went to unofficial business school because I was 18 to 20 years old. I probably, I kept working at Next Space until I was like 24, 23 so, you know, for five years, I was sitting in an office building with people who were entrepreneurs, who were, you know, web developers and designers and lawyers and, you know, uh, artists and life coaches and uh, translators, just like people who were all making their own gig. I think at one point I even met someone who was like a Netflix uh <laughs> startup person in my early days. And I was like, that's a weird thing. You're not going to go anywhere with that. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, like, um, I'm sure he's made a lot of money now. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> I love that description of unofficial business school. It is so spot on. It's like, yeah, yeah that I often, one of the things that isn't talked about that much is one of the perks of co-working or whatever is you pick up so much just by kind of hearing how people handle their phone calls and how they greet their clients and how all this stuff kind of happens. I, I've learned so much from the community mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And I, I think that I was in a particularly receptive place because I was, you know, 18 and just absorbing it through my skin and dealt with these people every single day. And um, so, you know, when I was like 20-ish, I think I started my own social media marketing business. And I think I also had the added benefit of being like the office kid because I would ask people for help with anyone else in the world they would have charged. You know, <laughs> I, I think I had Matt Steele write me my first um, bio and he's like a professional writer and he charges like a lot of money to write people these things. And he just wrote me one for free, you know, and I didn't think anything of it because I was like... 19 and I was like oh thanks Matt like I just put it on my LinkedIn <laughs> just like, you know so like things like that where it was like I just became I think and I was I think I was really fortunate to be that person but um after I started my own business uh co-working became really essential for me understanding how to to run a business like I didn't have a w9 and I remember meeting with um, Lisa Benson and she was just like, you need a W9 and you need a contract. And I didn't have a contract. And so I like asked Ian Stock, I think, about like, what contract do I use? And he's like, oh, I use this one, you know? And like, it just kind of built on itself um, and people would see me there every day. And it was just like, oh yeah, now I have this small business thing going. And so after I launched my own business and like knew how to get clients and like dealt with that failure over and over again, and then successes and figured out what worked, I now have this understanding of how business works and how startups work that I'm feeling really confident taking into my next phase of life where it's like, okay, I want to be female focused adventure videographer. Like I can, I know how to start a website. I know how to, I know what contract I need. I know like how to outline a business plan. Like I know how to pitch people. I, I, I know what I'll need, like a portfolio. Um, so just in regards to like coworking, I think, it's essential. I think for young people, if they really want to like start their own 
thing, like getting a, a Nextspace or a co-working membership can be really, really important. Yep, that that's a perfect place to jump off. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, before we do, where can people find you? Um, so people can find me on all the social medias. Uh, I am One Chick Travels. That's O N E Chick Travels. Uh, that's for Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter is at Kaya Says because I just have like a separate thing. And then they can go to my website, which is uh, onechicktravels.com, where I do writing. Uh, I post videos there and um, just links to uh, general van life build out stuff. And then uh, last place, I'm going to put a plug. If you would like to support me on Patreon, do you want to support these adventures, female-focused adventure films and female-focused adventure experiences? Um you can find me on patreon.com slash one chick travels. I love it. Kaya, thank you. Is that it? I, I think that's it. I was like, I have all my little things. <laughs> all the thing well, on all the things doing yeah. it. It's crazy. Thank you so much. It's been awesome connecting with you. I hope I see you soon. Safe travels if I don't. Um, but let's for sure keep in touch. And thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Kat. I appreciate getting the chance to kind of just chat with you. Yep. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Coworking Out Loud podcast. I'd love to hear any ideas you have for future shows. You can reach me at catjohnson.co. If you like what we're doing here, subscribe to the show and leave a rating through your favorite podcast app. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>